Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thank you for listening. And uh, today I have the pleasure of interviewing an artist, visionary, community cultivator, director of community and culture at OpenWorks. Please welcome April Danielle Lewis. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We held the me trying to be nice and cool and, and inviting. Now it's down to the hard questions, all the fire. Um, but so, so for starters, <laughs> um, tell, tell the fine folks who are undipped about, about your background and just describe your work and where you grew up. Cause I saw something in there about, you know, your early background that really got my tattoos kind of moving. I have a few, uh, <laughs> a few interesting tattoos we'll talk about maybe we're going. Uh, um, so I, I guess, um, as far as where I'm from, uh, my family is from Baltimore. Um, but my dad was in the army. Uh, so I grew up kind of in my sort of formative childhood years living, um, in a, a variety of com- countries overseas. I was born in Okinawa, Japan. Um, and, uh, I lived in Augsburg, Germany. And, um, and then in my teen years, I lived in Panama city, Panama. Um, and then whenever we were living in the United States, um, my dad's job was, uh, he worked at NSA. So, um, my parents had a house in Severn, Maryland. Um, so we would kind of like go overseas for a couple of years and then come back, um, to our house. Um, I lived on Fort Meade for a little while. So, um, I am, but I've been living in Baltimore, um, since tw- I moved back in, uh, 2017, um, and I've been living in Baltimore city since 2006. So I'm pretty much from here. You know, I kind of grew yeah. up here, um, but got, got, got to get away a little bit. And, um, yeah, so that, that's like where I'm from. Um, and then how you asked me how I, um, yeah, how did um, I get into art making. Yeah. How did you get into to art making ultimately? Um, yeah. Like any of those early experiences and having that, that travel background, having being like away and having different um, countries you've lived in, how did that kind of contribute to your, your background as an artist, as a creator? Yeah. Um, so when my grandparents, um, had our, my grandmother was a hat maker, um, and she made like church lady hats, um, and, uh, and had a shop that was in downtown Baltimore, um, on Howard and Mulberry. Um, and when, whenever we were like living in the States, my mom worked for my grandmother and I would go to work with them. So, um, kind of like preschool or like I lived, we were, uh, like my preschool years, like like when I was in half day, kind of like kindergarten situation, like I would get picked up and then come into work uh, with my mom and folks would just kind of like try to keep me busy. And so, um, in the store that my grandmother worked in, um, there was like a staircase that went to a second floor that was used for storage and kind of underneath that they put like a pallet of like blankets on the ground. And like, that was kind of like my chill corner to like, (laughs) get away from everybody. Um, and they would like give me scraps of fabric and I was able to do whatever I wanted to to that space. I could color on the walls. I could like glue things onto the walls. Um, like the folks that worked for my grandmother would sometimes like sneak in like a little piece of like the fancy, like string of rhinestone, um, material or like sequins and things like that. And kind of like, um, 
you know, sneak those things to me. And I would like glue them up on the, on the wall underneath the staircase and on the bottom of the stairs and kind of created this like little magical cavern. Um, and I think that, um, there's certain things, uh, I, I do sort of like, um, performance and installation art things most commonly. Um, and I really love kind of creating a space and an environment. And I think that that sort of exploring, um, exploring space and materials in that way when I was a child and kind of like keeping yeah. myself entertained. Um, definitely there's like a gratification when I like do something that fills a space, especially if I can attach something to the ceiling and to a wall. Oh, that's just like, <laughs> you know, um, I'm in a happy space when I'm creating, um, and like using kind of like, you know, exploring in space in that way. So, um, yeah, so I, I feel like that is sort of like my earliest sort of introduction to art making, but also the next door neighbor, um, to my grandparents store was like a frame shop. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they treated everything that I made as like precious. So they would get like my drawings mounted on phone core and like framed and like actually like in the frame shop, um, a lot of the samples of frames, they would use like my like crappy, like preschool artworks as the examples. Um, and so, uh, I just sort of, there was like always kind of like a celebration or around the things that you make. Um, and, um, I always like enjoyed kind of collecting things, um, and making other things out of stuff. So, um, and I still feel like I do a lot of collecting things and repurposing it, um, in like art projects that I've done in the past and, sure. um, and things like that. So those, those th thing ways that I was exploring, like the world and materials when I was four, I'm still exploring <laughs> the world materials like four decades later. So, um, you know, that's great. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I immediately started thinking, you know, you were talking about having like the, the, the work that you were doing viewed as like being precious. It's like, yeah, we're going to put those up there. And as reference, I, I remember my grandmother used to do that. I was, um, I was one of those kids. I had, um, maybe the desire to be a comic book artist when I was a kid. And it was always this cultivation of, yeah, here's some, here's some drawing books. Here's how to draw this. I was like, why are these Rob Lifo books? This is proportions are terrible, but you know, just getting that. And, I would, I would like go over to my grandmother's house and she'd be talking to her friends or have you. And it's like, who did that picture right there? That's like on the wall. It's like, Oh, my grandson did just that, 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 that pride in that kind mm -hmm. of, this is your thing. So I had a different version of it, but I definitely kind of get what you were describing there. And I, and I think about that warmly too. Mm -hmm. Um, so this, this it, what I, what I read and, and maybe in, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, so you had some experience working with your mother and now when you were younger and now you're working with your daughter. Yes. So, um, I, um, I have a 22 year old daughter and, um, she's been, I, I had her like kind of right after I graduated from high school. Um, and she was sort of like my sidekick. And, um, like if I, I, did not go to, I went to, I went to Towson university and got a degree in art. And so I kind of like waited until she got to first grade before I really like got into like going to school so I could be at school while she was at school. Um, but there are a lot of times that like 
she'd have to come back to the studio. Um, and like, I'd set up space for her to kind of like have a chill space or things to tinker with, um, while I got my work done. Um, and that kind of became a routine. And I really feel like, you know, that was sort of normalized for me that like, I went to work with my parents and like, just figured out how to entertain myself. Um, just so happened to be in a creative space. And so it's kind of the same thing happened with my child. Um, she ended up, um, she's far more talented than I am. Um, and, uh, uh, she went to the Baltimore school for the arts. Um, uh, and so kind of like there was a certain point, I think when she was probably maybe in her like sophomore year, I'm like, um, I really leaned on her a lot to kind of be sort of like my studio assistant. Like I could trust her to kind of like, because she'd been around and like helping with things, you know, all through all these years, like, you know, she's got like, a more skilled and control, like can control and draw better than me. So I would be like, here's the thing we need 500 of these. Like I need you to get to work, you know, filling all this in. So, um, you know, um, but it's, it's been like a great sort of like, uh, I think form of bonding. Um, yeah. and we, um, we work really well together. Um, cause we've been doing it for such a long time. That's great. That's great to hear. Like I, I don't have, that, that same experience. Um, but I think in, in doing this podcast, it, it's something like creative. And I think when you're doing something really for a long time with someone, especially if they're the person that's really close to you, like, like a child, have you, it's, it's like, yeah, this is very, you know, like, like emotional stuff, like creative stuff is emotional to me, I think. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it has to be that connection. It has to be, be that because things are happening right there and you got to have a good working relationship ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just think when it, when it works, it just pauses. Like, yeah, you get me, you know what I'm doing. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, yeah, please. I was going to say, I, I most recently, um, did a project with, um, neighborhood design center, um, and the signal station North pro- um, project called we're here. Yeah. Um, and it was about visibility. Basically I was making these like, um, bunting flags made out of uh, reflective material. And so, um, there were, I, I did some community art workshops to get words or input from like community folks and then made these like flags that are, are hanging up outside at the why not a lot. Um, but it was a thing where like, I'm working like well into it because I also have a full-time job. I like, I absolutely need a studio assistant at this point and we we're getting to crunch time. And like, my child is up with me until, I mean, I say my child, but my adult, my adult child is <laughs> up with me until like 3am, 4am. And now, um, her partner's also been reeled into this and like, you know, the three of us are up working and I'm like, I'm glad that we've been brought you into the family and you know that it's a part of the thing that now I've two studio assistants um, <laughs> like, <laughs> that will yeah, <laughs> that will sleep in my house and, and eat my food in exchange for knowing that like you might have to be up until three or four o'clock in the morning with me working so it's one of the, the coolest versions of a barter system right there like look i need to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. I, I guess what you were describing there kind of intersects well kind of transitions actually um well, segues into my my next like question um speak on this. And and this is really, this is probably my shortest question on here, by the way, how, how does art and change intersect? Mm. Um, I think that, um, change is, um, I think that that's a really great question. Um, (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) I feel like art allows you in order to change something, you need to be like willing to let go, um, willing to understand what's on the other side of, of, um, of a shift. Um, and a lot of times, um, art can be a great vehicle to allow you to explore the possibilities to think about the other side, um, or to maybe like approach problems or, 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 or things that need to be different, um, with like a fresh set of eyes or a different perspective. Um, art, art often allows you, um, an opportunity to be vulnerable, um, to kind of like get to the root or essence of a thing. Um, and, and sometimes that can be inspiring to allow a perspective to change. I feel like, um, I, uh, a thing that in, in yoga, um, is, is one of my yoga instructors would say all the time is like, you know, you, you really like a change is as simple as changing your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also like, a very difficult thing, like to, to tell yourself that you can put your body into a shape and all you have to do is change your mind about that to get there. Um, it's really allowing kind of like a release of what, you know, um, mm-hmm. and kind of an exploration of the unknown. And I feel like that is what art is, you know, in a lot of ways. I am going to steal that and, and wrap it in. Yeah. You know, art is exploration. Of just, just, just going that way to make myself sound like I'm smarter than I am. Look, oh. I'm going to stop being in these art talks. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, as the great April Daniel Lewis once said, I'm going to say it just like that with those dulcet tones. Um, so, so going back into your works, we, I, I, I was, um, I was, I was not good. I didn't really get too deep into your work, but I think we can do that now. Are there any specific topics or subjects, themes um, that you return to regularly within your art? If so, what are they and and why do you think you return to them? Um, I think like maybe the thread that is um, in a lot of projects that I do is that there's like um, labor or or. Um, and maybe this isn't always a thing that stands out to the viewer or person that's experiencing, but I do repetitive things for, to me, where the process to me becomes a lot about the work and about labor. Um, and I think that, um, as a mother, as a wife, as a, um, as a black woman who's like working in an organization, I think that I think about labor a lot. Um, I think about emotional labor. I think about like the actual work of doing work. I think about like, um, and then, and, and I feel like that theme kind of, um, comes for me. Like I, when I make a piece that is, um, where I'm doing the same thing over and over again, um, I can get into a flow and I, it allows me to sort of like, oftentimes in my process of making be very, um, it can almost turn meditative. Um, but I think that that's me developing a relationship with labor, um, and exploring my relationship with labor. Um, and I, 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 but I do think that also like race, Um, my experience of being a black woman, um, and that sort of like, uh, my experience of like living in this city, um, is definitely like a huge thing. Like my sort of like personal identity, um, are, are things that kind of, um, I think come up in the work. Um, 
if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I had this this conversation on an episode that has not debuted yet, but I had this conversation with a uh, photographer and we were just talking about like when someone's um, experience in art, experience in someone's work and they want to like pull out what they pull out, but then don't take into account like maybe their background sometimes like almost like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, this is uh, I'm a black photographer. So definitely I'm my blackness is within this. Oh, yeah. no, no. We just want the photography. It's like, well, the blackness is baked in. It's the secret yeah. ingredient. It's the spice to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I I'm very. Yeah. Like um, and even in doing this and when this got started, like um, really big during the, the pandemic, I would have people hit me in the DMs like, mm. why would you bring this person on? Or it's a lot of people were very pro pro black like well as you can see it's a <laughs> six foot four 300 pounds of blackness right here and it, it's it's baked in and just even even kind of thinking about this and maybe this ties i don't know but i have been really getting into audiobooks and i've been kind of playing with the like 40 loss of power and, and, and different stuff in that robert green vein but one of the things that I talk about it's like almost normal for me when I do a bunch of interviews. It's like I'll have 10 interviews in a week. And I'm like, all right, let me just go through this. Let me set this up, feel organized. And that feels normal to me. And then I'll just mention it to people like just in conversation, not in a, hey, I'm so busy, but in a way of this is what I'm doing this week. And people are like, wow, you're just so busy. And I was like, oh, that's just just normalized for me. This is just part yeah. of me doing my work. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel that. I also am one that is people often say, Oh my God, you are so busy. And I'm just like, but I, I don't know what to do with myself if I'm not doing all these things. Um, have a, like, it's it's one of those things I, um, I talk to different artists and they'll talk about, and and maybe, maybe this, I want to get your, your take on this. Um, if we talk about like, if I'm not doing something, <laughs> it is a bad week for me. It's like, look, I got to draw something every day. I got to come up with something. I have a notepad for an idea. If I'm yeah. not moving the needle in any degree towards artistic creation, even if I'm supposed to take time away, mm-hmm. I don't feel good. Is that how it goes for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, for me, I spend a lot of time. So, um, I I guess this is also a huge theme in in my artwork is kind of community stuff. Um, but like, I, I feel like I volunteer and spend a lot of my time kind of working on like community projects and, and things like that. Um, and, um, it makes me feel connected. It makes me feel like I belong. It makes me feel ownership of the place that I live in and, and sort of like, um, empowered in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't imagine what I would be like if I didn't do those things and spend my time in that way. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's, it's very much like a part of like who I am. Um, and I may have been conditioned to, to always feel like that. And that's some like deeper stuff to like pull yeah. back layers on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to like sit and twiddle my thumbs and I don't want to like, you know, veg out and like watch a thing on the screen. I feel like, you know, there's all of this up here constantly moving around. Um, and I need to kind of like get those things out of me. Um, cause yeah. And, yeah, I need to be doing things. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I, I was going back through um, the. I was like rereading the questions because I, I obsess over them. I was like, I don't want to ask a stupid question or a question that's like out of date. So I'll go back through, and I was going back through the questions for you, and 
I was, I had wrestling, like a wrestling match playing in the background. I was like, I should be watching this. Like, nah, nah, I need to work. You've got work to do. Type, type, type. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I got two more questions before I get into rapid fire. Uh, hmm. So I really like the white guilt confessional. <laughs> um, so, I, and sometimes this is, this is a thing where I don't know if someone actually is around when other people are viewing their work, but did you get any of that insight? Like any of those memorable responses to the work or any work that you've had on like over the years, that's really kind of resonated with people. And they're like, look, I got to tell you about this work you did. Did you have anything that comes to mind? Um, I, so with the white guilt confessional, um, project, um, basically I built, um, that was, I built a confession booth and I went inside, um, and I, I asked people to, um, to like, if they were harboring any guilt and to, um, sort of like talk about the guilt. And then I asked them to absolve themselves. And the whole idea behind the white guilt confessional was that like, um, white guilt or sort of like the concern with, um, you know, all of these sort of like self-involved things, um, you know, like get in the way of actually doing the work of undoing racism. Um, and when you worry about like, you know, how you said that thing or, um, or you are worried about, you know, um, how it looks that, you know, you have, you know, a better off situation than, you know, someone else or that you, you are receiving privilege and, and that you use it in the world. And, um, it's like, well, when you, you spend your time focusing on that, you're not spending your time focusing on actually letting go of things. So I, I got to like sit and listen to people talk about all of those kinds of just like privilege a lot. And that was, um, just the act of doing that was very draining. Um, I did this, um, a couple of, I did this project a couple of times, but, um, the second time that I did it was at Artscape. Um, and it was over the course of three days. And so for three days I had people sit down and kind of, um, talk about their privilege. And that was just really hard to like, listen to them. I wasn't, there was no back and forth dialogue. Um, like I didn't want anyone to feel like a black woman was absolving them of anything because really it's not about that. It's about like you letting go of your own stuff and you managing your own stuff um, so that we can all move forward. Um, there were a lot of people that um, I, I think about are probably people that are in the comments of like Fox news um, posts on Facebook who would sit in my chair just to tell me about myself, about how I'm perpetuating racism by like, having people think about racism or white guilt or how dare I make, try to make them feel bad or like that they should feel guilty about anything. There are lots of angry people or, um, or black folks that didn't know that there was a black woman inside that would sit down in the chair and like thought that like there would be a white person inside, um, and then give them a piece of their mind. And I'm just like, um, okay, I'm be angry. Yes. Channel that anger in a way. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I think just, um, for me, the thing that, um, really stood out was that there was labor there. Um, and it was very, very draining. Um, even though I wasn't actually actively like doing a physical thing, just receiving all of this information over and over again was a lot, you know, I did it twice. Um, there were, the first time I did it was, um, uh, in the coffee was actually inside of the coffee cap building, um, Mm -hmm. 
which is a artist sort of like live workspace. Um, and, uh, a lot of the people that sat down in the chair were also artists. Um, and, um, and most of them were, were white and people like really, I think the setting, because it was kind of in a more familiar space for a lot of people, like in that, in that instance, people opened up and really kind of like used it as a confession booth. Um, and, you know, someone admitted that they were a sex worker and that their family didn't know about it and that they care, you know, so like really, um, I did not get any sort of like vulnerability like that when I did it in more public space. Um, but it was just, you know, kind of like receiving all of that in both instances. It was a lot of, uh, a lot to hold. Um, I did a lot of like maybe slightly recognizing a voice. I couldn't see the people and they couldn't yeah. see me. Um, and, I, and, and then there was a, where I'm like wondering, was that somebody that I knew that told me that, you know? Um, but I wasn't trying to judge or anything like that. Yeah. And I was literally like when someone would get up, another person would sit down. And so I didn't really have a ton of time, but just, I took in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an empath's nightmare. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Like I I'm starting to become more aware of, because I, I think by proxy, at least, at least my, my standpoint by proxy, you just kind of get an idea of doing these interviews and understanding where people come from and just getting a notion that there's a fair amount of vulnerability. So to your point, it's like, if I'm sitting there doing like five, six interviews, it's like, look, I can't do anything else today. I've heard about this person's sad life, but their great art that's driving, that's being driven by this sad life. I was like, this is a lot. I was like, yeah. man, I need a bagel. I need something fat <laughs> and tasty to make me feel better. I need to eat my feelings. <laughs> so the last question I have before I get to rapid fire, and I promise the rapid fire uh, questions. I'm nervous not, about the they're, rapid they're, fire. They're not going to be draining. <laughs> they are not going to be draining. I assure you. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I gotta be a better person. Uh, so tell me about open works. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I went there a little while back for a, um, it was an event that the Vibram was having and oh, yeah. I went there. I was like, yeah, who's the person to talk to? I literally went there <laughs> like that, like really aggressively. I was like, here, here you are, sir. Yeah. I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so tell me, so tell me about open works and the importance of, of spaces like it within the maker community in Baltimore. Yeah. So Open Works is a nonprofit <laughs> makerspace. Um, a makerspace we like to say is kind of like a, a the YMCA, but for people that make things. So you can have a membership to Open Works. Um, and we have professional level tools and equipment that you can use. So instead of like, you know, like you go to the gym and play on their basketball court or swim in their pool, you can come here and use our our wood shop um with like professional top of the line, like, um, tools and equipment. Um, we have digital fabrication. So we have like laser cutters and CNC, um, uh, routers. We have a full metal shop where you can do welding and, um, we have CNC plasma cutter that will like cut your, um, digital designs out of, um, sheets of steel. We have 3d printing. We have a industrial textiles lab, electronics, um, and then digital media. And then, um, we have software for like all, all the design software and things like that. So you can have a membership and come in and use all of that stuff. Um, and we also have studio spaces, um, 
where um, about half of our, me our members that have studio spaces are also small businesses. Um, so they base their businesses out of open works and kind of use our shops to fabricate um, things that they sell. Um, and then there are other artists and hobbyists and things like that. Um, but most importantly, we are located in the Greenmount West neighborhood and we are a community resource. Um, yeah. So we've been real intentional about building relationships with our surrounding neighborhoods. Um, we're in Greenmount West. Um, we work closely with uh, the Johnston Square community, which is just kind of to the east and south of us, um, and then have relationships with a lot of organizations in Barclay also. Um, and so we like host all of their community association meetings here. We have a coffee shop in our lobby that's got, uh, it's free and open to the public. Um, we just reopened finally the coffee shop uh, this week um, after COVID. Um, so it's it's back. Um, you can come in and grab coffee or hang out and check out the, use our Wi-Fi and all that stuff. It's also a great place to have a meeting. Um, so we have like resources, um, and, and, and we're kind of a hub for people and creatives. And so I think one of the really amazing things that has come out of this space is the relationships, um, and the community. Um, we've surveyed our members, um, t several times and they, you know, we've got literally, you know, the top of the line, like table saws and dust collection system, or like in a, in a, a digital embroidery machine that's, you know, like, um, top of the line. Um, and the most commonly, um, reported item of value, not item, but thing of value in our community is, is actually the people. Um, so like learning from each other, being inspired by each other, there's been like lots of collaboration and like beautiful, like cross pollination, like businesses that have formed by, two people kind of like working in the shops, you know, next to each other and, um, and people helping each other out. We've had like parents, um, that do like child trading, sharing, you know, mostly pre COVID, but, um, um, you, you know, like just this community that is built around the practice. I mean, if you're doing this, um, as a, as a, you're trying to start up a business and you have a full-time job, like you, it's really easy or it's a lot easier to have kind of the support of the community to help you get going rather than sort of like being a lone person in the world trying to, you know, um, and then we try to exist as a platform. So being a space for events like the vibe room to, to host a, a launch party for their, um, their publication that is for creatives or, um, we have space for rental. So like yeah. if you're a nonprofit and you need to like do a training or, um, have a holiday party or a meeting, you can rent space from us for that. Um, so we try to be, um, a kind of community resource and also, you know, we're trying to make tools and technology accessible to, to everyone. That's great. It's it's resources are really, really important because um, I think you can have great ideas. You can have people that are really DIY. But if you're unable to actually get to some of these things, you don't know how I don't know how far or where your interests may lie. I think yeah. just being exposed to something, it opens it up. I, I wanted to get into woodwork briefly when I was there. So, yeah, I put the microphone down for a little bit and get to the wood. Mm hmm. That's you ridiculous. should do it. <laughs> I, I may, I may. I don't think, I don't think my partner is going to allow it. She's like, look, you can't get into your old man things. So I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you talked about making beer and scotch recently. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I'm making wood. Uh, so <laughs> I, I got some rapid fire questions for you. They're, they're simple questions. Um, and essentially it's more 
it, it's it's an it's an additional thing to give like a background on you or basically how you how your your thinking goes. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll just start throwing them out there. And they're pretty much whatever your answer is is your answer. So okay. if you're like, look, I said what I said. This is what I like. All right, what is your most important tool as a creator? Mm. I, I know I'll preface this by I had a painter be a dick and say paint. Of course. I was like, I don't like you. Um, but what would be that, that tool for you as a creator? Um, I would like to say nothing um, because I think my favorite thing to do is make something out of nothing. Um, I think, you know, uh, the absence of has always kind of inspired creativity for me. Okay. Name a visionary. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to provide any extra context, by the way, if you don't want to. Okay. Adrian Marie Brown. What is the last song you listened to? Uh, I, I don't know song specifically, but I've been listening to the BBE playlist on Spotify, which is bad bitch energy. <laughs> that's, that's legitimate. So legitimate. Some Meg the stallion, something or other, probably. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, describe yourself in three emojis. Uh, definitely crying, laughing emoji. Um, probably. Oh, oh, the um, the arm. The flex. Uh, I think yep, the flex one. Um, and mm, oh, the celebration emoji. Yeah. <laughs> This is the last one I have. And uh, this is finish this sentence without art blank. I'd be boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. That was that rapid fire for you. Um, so this is the last request I have for you. Um, more of an invitation, if you will. Where can I find folks um, that are listening to this podcast? Uh, find you online, kind of shamelessly plug uh, website, all of that good stuff. And, and thank you so much for being on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I am on the gram. Uh, that is the most active place that I post content. Um, I have two Instagram accounts. I, um, AD Lou is like my, my art and my life. Um, but I also have do it AD Lou. Um, and that is me documenting all of my, like my athleticism. <laughs> um, but a lot of fun. I've been doing circus stuff and, um, and running and all that, and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Um, and then my website is April Um, and I would encourage any and everyone to come by and check out open works. We do in-person tours twice a week. Um, we'd love to see you and show you around, um, and let you be inspired. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there you have it folks for the great, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. I saw your face. The great April Daniel Lewis. I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around your city. You just got to look for it.